Thank you. you. May be seated this morning. And uh, isn't it great to be together in the Christmas season and worship Jesus? I'm going to ask that again. Isn't it great to be together at the Christmas season and worship Jesus together? We are blessed more than we know. We are blessed uh, more than we probably uh, appreciate most days. But uh, in case you're new here, just to introduce myself, I'm John. I am blessed to be the pastor here at Hallmark, and uh, I love this church, and uh, I love everyone. I love most everyone in this church. No, and uh, I want to encourage you if you have your phone or your iPad and you want to follow along on U version. Uh, Nathan uh, always puts our notes there on the U version Bible app. Uh, also, if you want to share on Facebook our live feed, that'd be great. It's a great way to invite someone to join us today that maybe couldn't be here live with us. Uh, and then if you have a bulletin, get your bulletin out and get ready. We're going to take some notes uh, this morning. And uh, I, w- I just kind of want to give you a quick report. We also have about uh, 20 of our church members who are driving back right now from uh, Mexico. And uh, we, w- we spent the weekend there, and uh, I didn't want to miss, so I chose to fly back last night instead of driving with all of them. And I'm sure they are loving me for that right now. Uh, but uh, they are driving and watching on Facebook Live, probably uh, around San Antonio, I'm guessing, about this point. Uh, but I just want to say thank you for all of you who have been generous over the years to support the missions program of Hallmark Baptist Church. Uh, Hallmark is blessed to be a part of things going all over the world. Ben kind of closed that prayer out. He didn't have any idea I was about to mention this, but closed that prayer about Uh, We have missionaries all over the world today who don't have the opportunity to do what we just did. They don't have the the blessing, the privilege to gather in a place like this and worship. And uh, last night, right after I had uh, landed at DFW coming back from Mexico, I got a message from a good friend. Uh, They are doing work in, uh, for dad, if you know what I'm, if you're tracking with me, they're doing work for dad in China. And I got a message from them as I landed last night that they were going to get to uh, baptize five people today. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. That's awesome. And so uh, they, uh, they will not get to be a part of it as it will be out in one of the villages and not really safe for them to be a part of that process, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but how awesome is it that, that Hallmark Baptist Church, the money that you give here is getting sent to places like that where people hear about Jesus. Amen. Isn't that awesome? I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of a church that is, wants to reach our community and, and, and invest in our community, but we invest all over the world. And so we got to spend this past weekend uh, in Mexico, and there was a group of us that got to build a house for a lady, and I'll tell you a little about that in a, in a moment. And then we also got to be a part of the orphanage there, and I'm, I'm thankful. I'll see, I, I never know for sure if Bruce and Pam are going to be here. They're all usually traveling, uh, but Bruce, about 18 years ago, started... Manor Worldwide, and uh, Hallmark has been a, a special part of that all these years. And because of the vision God gave them, uh, we, got to, we got to do Christmas. Yesterday, I was in Mexico having Christmas, and it was awesome. And uh, that's due to your generosity and people like Bruce and Pam through Mana who support that orphanage. And uh, I love Christmas. Do you guys love Christmas? Amen. You can get more excited. Do you love Christmas? That word hope, it's expecting something. You remember as a ch- some of you have to think back a few years, I know. You know, think about, you ever, you ever just sit 
in front of the Christmas tree and wonder what you're going to get for Christmas? Anybody? How many of you did that? Just look at the lights and, you know, the older you get, the less you sit and look at the lights and wonder about Christmas and what you're going to get because you've already bought your own presents, right? <laughs> or you spent all your money on your kids. Or some of you spent all your money on your How many of you already spent most of your money on your grandkids, right? You can be proud. And uh, yesterday I sat there in that orphanage and I watched these kids open their presents. And you should see the expectation on their eyes, waiting. They were way more patient than I was. When I was a kid, I used to sneak in the, and open my presents early. Anybody do that? Confession is good for the soul. <laughs> Sorry, Mom and Dad, wherever you're at. Uh, and the only expected hope I had at Christmas was because, so I have a twin brother, and we always got the same gifts. So we would open up early, and uh, if he got the blue shirt and I was getting the red shirt, because it was always the same thing, just a different color, uh, we, would, we would swap the name tags. Like, so I wanted the blue, not the red or whatever. And uh, sometimes at Christmas I'd open up and, ah, he got back to the Christmas present and swapped it again, you know. <laughs> that was it. Got stuck with the red or whatever. But Advent, we're going to talk about Advent the next few weeks. And it just means arrival or to come. And so at Christmas, we don't just celebrate presents, although we like presents. The greatest gift ever given was the gift of Jesus Christ. And so Advent really just means we're going to celebrate the first arrival of Jesus. And if there's a first arrival, what does that maybe expect us to think is going to happen later? A second arrival, right? That Jesus is coming back for his church. Are you excited about that? We should be way more excited about that than Christmas. But this, this idea of the first arrival of Jesus, that's what Christmas is about. The celebration of Emmanuel, God with us. He humbled himself and he became obedient to death, the death on the cross. And he took on human flesh. And so we're going to, the next few weeks, talks about, talk about Advent. And so we have the Advent candles up here. And so we think about these words, right? So we, today we're going to talk about hope. Then we're going to talk about peace. Then we're going to talk about joy, and joy is the pink candle. And then we're going to talk about love, the, the Sunday before Christmas, the 23rd. And I want to encourage you, that Sunday we're not going to have Connect Group, but we're going to have milk and cookies out in the atrium at 10 o'clock, just like we did last year. Coffee for those of you, great opportunity to bring your family. You'll have guests come in and family come in, take some pictures at 10 o'clock out there, and then we'll have worship in here at 10.30. And then the Christmas Eve service, we're gonna, the 24th, we're going to talk about the white candle. Because all the expectation and all the hope means nothing if it weren't for what we're going to talk about, the white candle. Because the white candle represents who? Do you know? Jesus. And it all points to Jesus. And so this morning we have Addison Witzel is going to come up here and she's going to read for us. And she's going to read a little bit about the first purple candle, which is the candle of hope, also known as the prophet's candle or the candle of prophecy. And so would you guys give Addison a hand as she comes up to read? She's old enough. She read this for us last year. She's old enough that I, I asked mom and dad first, but then I also went and asked her. And she's like, sure, whatever. Are you nervous at all? 
No, all right. Well, I'll let her read it, and I'll be quiet. The things we get for Christmas will not last as long as the things we get from Christmas. We will finish our Christmas treats, get bored with our Christmas toys, and grow out of our Christmas clothes. But the things we get from Christ this Christmas and always, hope, peace, joy, and love, will go with us all our life. The first Advent candle is the candle of the prophets. It stands for Jesus is our hope. He died on the cross to save us and gives us everlasting life. Romans 15, 12 through 13. And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. And him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope in the hope. Yeah, yeah, you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We light this candle for hope. The candle is... A candle is burning, a flame warm and bright, a candle of hope in the darkest of night. Through troubled and worried, yet we will not fear. Our hearts are now hopeful, for Jesus is near. Very good, Addison. Could you guys give her a hand? You want to light it? You want me to light it? All right. She says, I can light it. We'll see if I can. Very good. Thank you, Addison. She did awesome, didn't she? Give her another hand. Appreciate Addison. When we think about the hope, have you ever felt hopeless? Raise your hand if you've ever felt hopeless. Okay, and so there, there's a lot of degrees to hopelessness, right? Now, as I, as I, my, my way of thinking right now is a little bit, I'm not sure, I have a different perspective, I'll put it that way, uh, because I'm going to be completely honest with you, I'm not sure in my life, um, I, I know there's layers and degrees maybe of, of feeling hopeless, uh, but I'm not sure in my life I've ever really actually been hopeless. Um, I've been blessed. Uh, what I saw yesterday, what I experienced yesterday and Friday, that to me kind of gave me a new perspective of what maybe I would consider the feeling of hopelessness as opposed to seeing people who live in a hopeless situation. But when I think about this idea of hopelessness, it makes me think of, and of course we're talking about the first coming of Christ. I want you to turn to Luke, Luke chapter 1. And, and while you're turning there, I want to read a verse of scripture out of Malachi. All right, so in Luke chapter 1, as you turn there, I'm going to read Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 through 6. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And so, you know, in your Bible, uh, you know, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, uh, some of you may have some study notes or not, but mine, Malachi chapter uh, 4, which I just read, prophecy about Jesus Christ coming, prophecy about the first advent, the coming of Jesus Christ. It's like ends on page chapter 660. I have one page of notes and then it goes right immediately into Matthew chapter 1. So the Old Testament and New Testament in my Bible are, are separated by this one page. Anybody got, are you tracking with me right? But you know what this one page separation of Old Testament and New Testament represents? 400 years of silence. 400 years of what, so we hear the prophecy. Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah... He's coming. The first coming, the advent, when, when Christ comes and, and when he is going to set all things right and, and, and when he's going to, everything they're hoping for and expecting for. You know, those 30 days of Christmas, you know, leading up and, 
And, and if you're like my, my home growing up, we, we always opened most of the presents on Christmas Eve. How many of you opened cre- presents on Christmas Eve? And that was like all from the family and all that. And then, you know, of course, there were a few that always showed up the next morning. Praise God for those, right? But that ex- expectation and hope and waiting, sitting, you know, in front of the tree, what is going to be in there? And, and, and those, you know, some of you start Christmas way too early. I'm just going to be really honest with you, all right? Some of you are like, as soon as Halloween is over, you're already listening to Christmas music, and I don't like you people, all right? My, my opinion, and it's just my opinion, Christmas doesn't start till after Thanksgiving, all right? And you can argue all you want, and you might be right. I don't know. This is my opinion, right? Think about this expectation. And for 400 years, the nation of Israel is expecting a Savior, expecting Emmanuel. And what they get in return for 400 years is silence, nothing. And it gives us the understanding here of a nation that is helpless and hopeless to hear from God. God, we want to hear from you. God, we want Jesus. We want Emmanuel. And that's where we pick up the story in Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of, of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. He was from the division of Abijah. His wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord. They were blameless. Again, so you get this picture of this couple who is following God, and he's a priest, and he's doing everything he can to be faithful to God, even though, listen, for 400 years, it's been silent. For 400 years, nothing has changed. For 400 years, they've been waiting and expecting and hoping that Jesus would show up, that Emmanuel would be there, and their father and their grandfather and their great-grandfather and their great-great-grandfather and their great-great-grandfather, and how many generations it had to go back to say, the promise of God is that Emmanuel is coming, hope is coming, and, and how many people, I wonder, in this hopeless situation stopped following and pursuing God? We have a tendency in our own lives, when, when we don't hear from God, and we feel like God is silent, we feel like, God, I've been praying for four minutes, and, and nothing has happened, and we, and we give up. And I'm thankful for people like Zacharias and Elizabeth. So in spite of waiting and waiting and hoping and praying, what do we see them here? Blameless, serving God. Verse 7 says, But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. It's a great way to say they were old people, right? It's interesting that the, the truth is in our culture today, we can't, There is no way for us to completely understand the feeling of hopelessness that Elizabeth had in this this period of her life. The one thing that she was, you know, really and culturally supposed to do is to provide her husband a child. She couldn't do that. She was unable. And it seemingly from the text says that she was probably past the point where it would be normal for her to have a child. There's no way for us in our culture to really understand how hopeless this lady must have felt. Most of us in the room this morning raised your hand that there's been times in our life where, where we felt hopeless and, and life seemed like 
what's the point? I'm sure this week some of you have felt hopeless. You've gotten news about uh, bad health or, or, or your kids have done things you wish they wouldn't have done and there's all these levels and layers of possibilities of what could happen in your life today and, and maybe even this morning you walked in here and you thought, God's not listening. And yet Zacharias and Elizabeth are an example that even when life seems hopeless, Look at point number one there. Even though life seems hopeless, so number one, if you haven't figured it out right, life sometimes appears hopeless, right? Sometimes life just feels like, what is going to happen? God, are you listening? God, do you care? And yet, Zacharias and Elizabeth remain faithful. I want to show you a picture of uh, a young lady named uh, Anna. I met Anna on, uh, on, my days are all mixed up, on Friday. And uh, you can see in the background there this little house that we were building. And if you followed me on Facebook, you kind of saw the, the updates on that. But we had the, the, the privilege and the blessing to go build this young lady a house. And so she became a believer as a young girl and kind of got away from God for a little while. Now she's back in the church and serving in her church. But her husband left her. And he left her with these three kids. And, and, and so this is kind of why my perspective is a little different this weekend. That when I, when I say hopeless, uh, I, think of, I think of her and her situation. She gets up every morning, tries to get to work by 5 a.m. To get off at 2, get her kids from school, and, and nowhere really to live. And we got to go build her a house. And uh, I'm, I didn't get to finish the project as I went to the orphanage yesterday, but I, I looked last night on Facebook. They posted the pictures of them giving her the keys to the house. And, and here's, we're going to walk right into point number two, all right? When life appears hopeless, here's what you need to understand. Here's what you need to remember. God is always at work. Even when you don't see God, even when you don't feel God, even when you don't, when life doesn't make sense and when life feels like, I, I don't know what's going on, all, you always have to remember God is at work. God is always at work in your situation and God is always working out for your good and for his glory. And, and to understand that even when it doesn't, even, let's just use the word, right? When even life seems hopeless, God is always at work. Let's look how that played out in the life of Zacharias. So verse 8. So while it was, or so it was, that while he was serving as priest before God in order of the division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So his lot fell, what that meant, and, just, and culturally what they would do, and you, you see this also when, when they decided who was going to go overboard with Jonah, right? And, and they cast lots or they cast dice. And if your number came up, then, then it was you, right? So his number came up. It was his turn to go. And a lot of what I understand from this is that this priest, this would have been a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go into the inter-sanctuary and the Holy of Holies to make uh, prayer and petition before the nation of Israel on behalf of the nation of Israel to God. And so he's faithful. He's serving. And just so happens, right, just just coincidence that the, the, the dice fell, the lot fell, but it was his time to go into the Holy of Holies and 
bring the petitions of the people to God, and what would happen? Verse number 11, Then the angel of the Lord appeared appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So who who do you think was in control of those dice? That it just so happened that it was Zacharias' turn to go in to pray? 400 years God has expected this day to happen. And the angel comes to Zacharias in verse 12 and says, When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. And this is going to sound really familiar to the verse I read in Malachi chapter 4. Verse 15 here says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither nor strong drink. Excuse me, I, I skipped a verse, did I? No, I'm good. He shall be filled with the Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Verse 16. He will turn many of their children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also before him the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In other words, the angel is saying this expectation, this 400 years of silence, this 400 years of waiting is now over. And the one you've been expecting, the one that you've been hoping for, it's almost time. And your son is going to proclaim to the world that Jesus is here. How do you think Zacharias felt? Humbled? Proud? And remember later when Jesus was walking, what did this son that talks about, what did he say about Jesus? Behold, there is the Lamb. The one we've been waiting for. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the 400 years of expectation, the 400 years of hoping and waiting, they're ending right there with that man. And Zacharias, it was his son. But how does Zacharias respond when he gets word? Let's read. Verse 18, And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife... He seems very nice to say here, is well advanced in years. I would never use those terms, but he did. It seems to me just in the context that he was, he was trying to be polite, right? Because he says, I'm an old man, but my wife, I'm just going to go on. Verse 19. It's interesting to me, it almost, let's look at that verse again, verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? How should he know it? What's the easy answer? I just told you, right? That seems like the angel appeared. No one has has heard from God for 400 years. You're in the Holy of Holies. It's your time to pray to God on behalf of the people. An angel appears. What what was the old sign? Here's your sign. Shouldn't that have been enough? If an angel shows up and talks to me, I'm just probably just going to believe them. I'm not going to ask for another sign. And he doubted. I think sometimes in our hopeless situation, God provides an answer, and we're so focused on the circumstance 
that we fail to realize God has already answered a prayer. Has that ever happened to you? And Zacharias is so focused on his problem and his issue and his circumstance that the very the angel of the Lord appears to him and gives him an answer to his prayer, and he's still focused on the problem. It's so easy for us to focus on our circumstances instead of focusing on our Savior, isn't it? Verse 19, the angel answered, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. I think he's like, um, I could put this in my terms. Uh, duh. I'm the angel of God. I just told you. You know, you want to just smack him across, but that's just me. Verse 20, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe. You didn't believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. And he'll be unable to speak because he lacked faith. When I look back on my life, there's a lot of times that I've prayed, and when God answered, he didn't answer like I wanted. Anybody ever had that? And I lacked faith. But how does, she, how does she respond? Let's keep going. Verse 21, the people waited for Zacharias and marveled and lingered to, so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. They perceived that he had seen a vision of the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he parted to his own house and continued his duties. Now after those days, his wife conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among his people. When God shows up, it's on your outline here. Life sometimes appears hopeless. God is always at work. But number three, God shatters hopelessness. When God shows up, hope arrives. When God shows up, Everything changes. When God shows up for Zacharias, he lacked faith. For Elizabeth, she believed. This week, um, again, uh, yesterday, it's, sometimes it's, uh, my mind is, I think, still processing a little bit about what, what I experienced yesterday. Uh, but I got to have Christmas with, with those kids in the orphanage and and uh, it was, you know, I was sitting there and I was talking to, uh, to Jimmy and LaRue. And Jimmy and LaRue always sit right down here on, the, I think, the third row. Uh, always sit here. Um, they are, uh, as our text says, well advanced in years. And uh, eight, Jimmy's 82 years old. And they're, they're crammed in that van right now with everybody else, probably wishing they would have flown back with me. But they sat there, and I, and I sat down with Jimmy and the Rue yesterday as we were watching these kids open these presents. And I said, man, do you ever just feel humbled and blessed to be watching this? And we just had a good conversation about how awesome it is to be a part of a, a church like this. 
that allows us to do these things. And I think, I wish everyone in this room could have the experience that we had yesterday to go and watch these kids who have nothing. These kids are hopeless. We're in a hopeless situation. And one of the kids, I didn't know his story. I, I took this picture of him. That, uh, his name is Abram or Abraham, and I took this picture of him yesterday. Uh, this was actually before they opened their presents. And they had given him a little ornament and some stickers to make decorations, and so I handed him uh, these decorations. Well, I didn't hand them, somebody did. And instead of putting them on his ornament, he put them on his face. I took his picture, and I didn't, I didn't know his story. And now I know his story. So he's 10 years old. Some of you, someone in here, I think, probably bought him Christmas presents. I know some of you donated. And uh, when, they, when they told him, hey, we need your Christmas list, they're like, what is that? No idea. Never had a Christmas. So they explained it to him what a Christmas is. That was pretty awesome. And so his stories, he's 10 years old, and his life has been, all he's known since August, uh, prior to August, is his mom giving him drugs and alcohol. He was addicted to drugs and alcohol. And I don't remember the story, what his mom did, but she got put into prison. And they found him on the streets. And so since August, they brought him into this orphanage. And he got to experience Christmas. That's pretty awesome. But listen, more than the presence and a place to, to go to sleep at night, that, that helps your circumstances. But if, if my joy and my hope is dependent on circumstances, I'm going to be a miserable person. If your joy and your hope is dependent on circumstances, you're going to be a miserable person. Because the true hope is not in, in, in Christmas gifts. True hope is found in the Christmas gift. Amen. In the person of Jesus Christ. And yesterday I stood before those kids and I, I really hadn't prepared anything. and I, uh, They asked me to say something before we left. And I... Here's, so you're getting a second outline this morning, all right, free of charge. Here's the three things I told them. Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah felt like he was unusable. God said, I have a purpose for you. Jeremiah's like, not me. I'm not good enough. And, and I think all of us have felt that at times. I'm not good enough. And what did, what did the Lord tell Jeremiah? Before you were in your mother's womb, I created you. I created you for a purpose. And I have a purpose for you. And everybody in the room needs to understand this today. You were created for a purpose. Jesus was talking in Matthew, and he talked about how he said the birds of the, the air, a bird doesn't fall to the ground, that Jesus doesn't know about it, that God doesn't know. And I think... The creator of the universe, who it seems to me would have a lot on his mind other than a bird falling to the ground. But Jesus said that even when a bird falls to the ground, I know it, I see it. And I think Jesus finished that by saying, 
you are of way more value than many birds. So God has a purpose for my life, and God has a purpose for your life, and God values you. God values me. Sometimes I don't feel very valuable. Do you guys sometimes not feel very valuable? God says I'm valuable. God has a purpose and God has value. And the third thing is that God loves you. And everybody in the room this morning, I'm not talking to the kids in the orphanage, I'm talking to you. You need to know God has a purpose for you. You're valuable to God. And God loves you. You know how I know he loves you? The Bible tells me so. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Paul wrote in Romans, God demonstrated his love toward me that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for, for me. I started this morning by saying I've never really been hopeless, and that was a lie. I was born hopeless. I was born hopeless because I was a sinner, and I needed a Savior. And the truth is, everyone in here this morning, you were born hopeless. The Bible says that we're all sinners, and that because we're sinners, we deserve to die and spend eternity in a place called hell. And the reality is, nobody in this room, nobody in this world can be good enough to, to get out of that hopeless situation. But Jesus showed up. Aren't you glad Jesus showed up? So we celebrate the first advent, the first coming of Christ because he humbled himself and he became obedient to death so that I could have a relationship with God so that I could find my purpose, so that I could realize God values me, so that I could hear that Jesus loves me. And Ephesians says this, For by grace you're saved. For by grace you're saved. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? Amen. He saw me in my hopeless situation, a sinner in need of a Savior, hopeless on my own, but Jesus showed up. For by grace, let's look at the screen. For by grace you've been saved. There's no doubt what saves you, all right? It says it right there. It's a declarative statement there. For by what? Grace. It's God's grace that saves me. It's not that I'm good enough. It's not that I uh, am willing to come to church every Sunday morning. It's not that I, that I give every week. It's, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with my good works. It's the grace of God that saves me, period. But how do I get the grace of God in my life? Look what the rest of it says. For by grace you're saved through, what's the next word? Faith. I'm saved through faith. It's a gift of God. Not of my works. Because let's be real honest, if I could earn my way to God, I'd be really proudful. 
But when I come to the, the acknowledgement and the realization that I did nothing to deserve God's grace, it reminds me of how good God is. And I think of that boy yesterday, Abram, who six months ago had no hope. Because of people like you that give, because of people like Bruce and Pam and many others who started a program for kids like that, I know for sure Abraham knows how to give his life to Jesus. And when Jesus shows up, he brings hope with him. If you feel hopeless today, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they felt hopeless, and they responded differently. Zacharias did not believe, and Elizabeth did. You know what that tells me? Everyone in here has a choice to make. You can believe, or you can choose not to. Would you close your eyes for a moment? This morning, as I already mentioned, maybe you walked in this morning and feeling a little hopeless, little hopeless today. And I pray this simple outline will encourage you. When life appears hopeless, remember God is at work. And when God shows up, he shatters hopelessness. Maybe you're in the middle of some messy things in your life right now and some uncertainty. Can I just challenge you to use this next few minutes? We're going to stand in a moment, and we're going to sing a song of worship. And I would just encourage you to use that time, maybe to come forward and pray and just say, God, help me trust, help me believe, help me to be like Elizabeth, that when hope shows up, I will see it, and I'll believe, and I'll have faith. And I'm just going to trust, God, that even when life doesn't make sense, even when life seems hopeless, you're at work. My hope is in Jesus. But maybe there's some of you in here this morning and, and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. And maybe this morning for the first time you're hearing that, that you're a sinner and that because of your sins you deserve to die. Yet Jesus died in your place so that you could have hope, so that you could have life, so that you could have eternal life. Maybe this morning God has revealed to you that that you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. And here I want to explain really quickly how you can do that. In a moment, we're going to stand. There's going to be several of us that are going to be standing here at the front of the auditorium, and we're going to be facing you. And if you would like to give your life to Christ today, if you'd like to just know more about what that means and what that looks like this morning, then I'm going to encourage you to come forward when we stand and just shake one of our hands and say, I want the hope of Jesus. I want the hope of Jesus. And we have people up here that are willing to take you out and pray with you to explain to you what it means to receive the gift of Jesus. God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the hope of Jesus. Lord, I know this morning I, there's people in this room right now who have had a, a terrible week and have even had feelings of hopelessness today and this week. So God, I pray that through the testimony of Zacharias and Elizabeth, that they would be reminded that even when life appears hopeless, that God, you are at work in their life. 
God, I pray for those in here this morning that maybe have never given their life to Christ, that you would challenge them to take that step this morning. Have the courage to step out from where they're at. Walk down here and shake someone's hand and say, I want the hope of Jesus. God, we love you and we thank you. Bless us as we worship today. Bless us as we this morning take a time just to thank you and to worship you, to seek you, to acknowledge today that you are hope. Would you stand with me this morning and we're going to continue in worship. Again, it's an opportunity if you want to come forward and pray and you want to pray in silence privately, you're welcome to do that. If you'd like one of us to pray with you, just come up and shake our hand. We would love to pray with you today. But let's worship together that we know the hope is in Jesus.